0: Brought to you by Billy Bob Shakespeare. Unless someone real wants to sponsor us, this. This boy meets world fever. I'm one of your hosts, Chance,
1: and I'm your other host, Cameron. Hey, Cameron, how are hey, you?
0: Good, Chance. How are you doing today? I'm good. I, I thought a lot about who was our fake sponsor this week. It was hard. There wasn't a good one. No, no, this wasn't a very uh, commercial episode. No, which is kind of sad. But you do mention Chubby's one time. Yeah, but we were brought to you by Chubby's last week because it was the first first time Chubby's showed up. Yeah, it was it's our Chubby's introduction. Yeah. Um, we are not alone this week. We have two wonderful friends that we've made through the podcast and. And uh, Cameron has a way I'm to introduce, introduce them.
1: Perfected this a little since last time, so here we go. So
0: coming at you
1: here, cause it's C J and Tony. C J Tony coming on our show. Boy meets world fever is what they're doing. It's good to know I got friends who will always podcast with me. Cause it's C and Tony. Yes, we yeah. have with us. <laughs>
2: You didn't see awesome. it, but uh, TC and I danced the entire time. The like, entire time. <laughs> Thank you.
0: Uh, we have only had one other guest than you guys, and we're not used to that, so <laughs> it still makes me, fills me with great joy. I'm so glad to hear it.
3: <laughs> well, so, thanks uh, for having us. I mean, we're, we're really happy to be here with you guys. Um, Siege and myself uh, have been hosting Bru Meets World, um, a podcast uh, which looks at the show from uh, POC point of you and we've been doing that for a few years now we're three years yeah. Three years nice so we're we're deep into the boy meets world bursts and we're excited because we're coming from the end of season four so to go back to the beginning of season two has been such a a fun trip to take during mm-hmm. this episode
0: yep yeah, we uh we were in the very end of season one when we jumped ahead to season four to do an episode with you guys so now you're getting a little bit of that that same whiplash yeah it's cool. it was a
2: fun trip down memory lane for us um
0: I was telling Cameron that there's kind of a, a weird kind of symmetry with us all getting together. Um, Cause we did your guys' show and you guys normally do one episode at a time, but we were on your guys' show where you did two at a, same, at a time. We normally do two at a time, mm-hmm. but you're coming on the show at a
3: time where we're only doing
0: one. <laughs> that was not planned.
3: It's perfectly balanced.
0: all things should
3: be. You uh, know what, you guys, you are the podcast yin to our podcast yang. <laughs> it's
0: true. <laughs> you guys are super cool people of color and we're really lame white dudes. So <laughs>
2: (laughs) we're bringing it all together yeah it's uh, a a melting pot if you would say (laughs) Yeah.
0: Uh, maybe like other things should be, but
2: <laughs>
0: yes, yes. maybe, you know, 1990s Philadelphia in a sitcom. Who knows? Yeah, <laughs> guys, much there been. can only
3: be one person of color oh, in 1990s no. Philadelphia at a time. I've learned that from this world. <laughs> <laughs> one at a time. It's yeah. true. Look at us. Angela. and uh, Once Angela comes up, I don't think there's another one, but there's also Eli in season three who goes mm-hmm. away. Yeah. Um, Eli, and yeah.
0: then the, the death seat kid.
3: Uh, from de- you guys have a death seat kid too. We pointed that out during our first season that that death seat kid Just was always, always there and he never comes back.
0: Yep, uh, the, the, <sighs> the cast behind the scenes they called him, they called that seat <laughs> the death seat. Like, you got it, you weren't coming back. <laughs> Ellis Incredible.
1: was there a couple of times,
0: yeah, but he, I think he was there maybe twice. Yeah, he was. That was awful.
3: At the end of our season one, I think we voted on our favorite third seat kid. Yeah, we did. <laughs> yeah, we did. I don't remember who won. I think it was uh, the kid who dressed like Feeny for career day. Oh, yeah, uh, he what, was really he, uh, I
1: mostly called them by their names that they they were in the sand lot because several <laughs> things were in the sand lot. So I think you're talking about yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I have not seen the Sandlot nearly as much as Cameron's. So just a classic, and I don't
1: even do sports, but I love the Sandlot.
3: <laughs> I will second that. That sports movies are more satisfying to me than actual sporting events. Oh yeah, I, I just oh, wanna. Yeah. Maybe I live a in a
2: football household, so I can't say that. But uh, I will say they are like movies such as the Sandlot are like integral to our upbringing. I mean, as a matter of fact, I think there was like a whole sports movie renaissance when we were all growing up. Oh, you yeah. got your mind Ducks. You got your Remember the Titans. Yeah, the you got your Air Airbud. Well, <laughs> I mean, I do
3: this at every sporting event. Like, I'm constantly angeling <laughs> out my wings.
2: I love it. I <laughs> went to the Angels Stadium for the first time for uh, a monster truck rally. A whole other conversation. But I went and I geeked out so hard at being at the Angels Stadium for <laughs> Angels in the Outfield.
1: This is where
0: Joseph Gordon-Levitt sat. This is where, <laughs> where the- <laughs> 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 oh goodness! Uh, Mighty Ducks was my movie, but I grew up in uh, the middle of nowhere, northern o- northern America, so, so hockey was hockey was a big deal, bread and butter.
3: Can I, I? I know this is kind of a side subject, but do you? Are you a Mighty Ducks one over Mighty Ducks two person, or Mighty Ducks two versus Mighty Ducks one?
0: Um, I would actually probably watch two before one, to be honest with you. Same.
2: He Same. would <laughs> <laughs> not have both. asked if he didn't have that answer ready and ready to go. <laughs> Notice oh. three
0: doesn't even come up in the conversation <laughs> why, why would, would it i will defend three as not as bad as people think it is but it's it's nowhere near the first nowhere time it before. wasn't
3: good enough for emilio <laughs> I Emilio!
0: Mean, that's true. Oof. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't know how we got onto sports movies, but I'm really enjoying that we did. Um, yeah, I'm very glad. Yeah, we uh, we did episode 207 of Boy Meets World with you guys. Uh, wake up, little Cory. We're excited to talk to you guys about it. Uh, excited to get a lot of different perspectives. I feel like this is a very loaded episode, wouldn't you guys say?
2: Absolutely.
3: <laughs> yeah, and I, you know, it's funny, even watching this now, I mean, because we, like I said before, we went through all these season two episodes already, but going back, I kind of picked up on things that I didn't see the first time. So did I. And it's so interesting that this episode is so packed with um, I don't know. I like one of the things that we always say that we really love is when the show is able to merge the classic literature that they're learning in school with the storyline that the kids are going through and like it learning from that literature and history mm-hmm. to be able to find applications in their life. This episode aces that for me.
0: Yep. Yeah, I feel like we're at a string of episodes that kind of do because we just did the Grapes of Wrath episode not too long ago. Ah,
2: such a good
3: episode.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it really is. It's very good. Um, yeah, I the letter now.
2: right before that. It
1: was like several in a row where they were like, "We're reading this big massive book in our class, and here's in a week, really week. and they're done with the whole <laughs> novel in a week."
3: Yeah,
0: <laughs> we're st- we want to start like a book club or something, but there's no way you could like keep up with all those books that they're reading, <laughs> or that anybody
1: would want to read like the history of tom jones yes
0: exactly written in like the 1700s (laughs) uh it's so true and then like right smack dab in the middle of all of that we had the weird cory werewolf episode
3: (laughs) oh that my least favorite halloween episode they do oh i love it (laughs) i i i think see if i remember siege was a bigger fan of that episode but i i know it's not technically a halloween episode but nothing beats and then there was sean like it's 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 not
2: even that's a high bar (laughs) um
0: when we were kind of doing the wrap-up of the episode i'm like man i don't know what to rate this like if you rated this a two i would get it if you rated this like an 8, I would get it. Like, it's very I, funny. Uh, what I
3: remember thinking was very cool about the episode uh, was the how they used being a werewolf and puberty and comparing those two things to each other. I really liked that idea and I wish they had dug into that a little bit more. But it was so weird with like, there's like a psychic and a... And a... I want to say,
2: Phyllis Diller was my favorite part of that episode. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. Um, she is great. And uh, adopt someone who is licensed by the state. <laughs> and then we have the moment where Feeny says he's going to the suburbs probably for better schools which is just not that's not good uh, yeah
2: oh oh we, right. like, this show always always is like hinting at class issues and racial issues without actually going over that line
3: <laughs> Sean is usually the culprit mm-hmm. of throwing in these little class comments he does it in this episode too yeah there's so Ooh, much here
0: I have missed that I'm excited to get into it um I think we're gonna do a summary real quick normally one of us summarizes but does one of you guys want to summarize the episode real quick
3: so sorry give me
2: one second hey get it he yes, came yes. in here my puppy <laughs> every single time <laughs> so you, do you guys do uh you guys do a summary of your own
3: or do you just you, you're just off the top of the cuff yeah just an off it's, the cu- cuff summary bespoke
2: I feel like that's definitely TC's realm okay right, I, I will <clears throat> let to me sing see what it,
1: I I mean if you wanted to sing it you can <laughs>
3: Uh, Episode 204 of Boy Meets World. The episode starts with the class learning about sex, lies, and rumors through a story of The Scarlet Letter, in which a woman is embarrassed publicly for an affair, feeling that the kids weren't taking any uh, applicable lessons from it. Turner assigns them their own lesson, where they take video cameras and talk about sex, lies, and and videotape, as he calls it, with their friends and family. Corey matches up with Topanga. They have a, 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 a montage of interviewing various characters about sex. When editing at night, they accidentally fall asleep and wake up in a precarious situation. Rumors start to spread that the two are having a sexual relationship. Corey agrees, confirming it, even though it's a lie. Embarrassing Topanga and appearing as though he is the champion of the school. He is, He's earned his manhood through the sexual interaction with Topanga. Topanga confronts him at his, his home and says, this did not happen and I do not like you. And Corey takes the upon himself to make a public apology for the class and him and topanga resolve their issues and turner feels as though the kids have learned a lesson i don't know how detailed you guys usually do this i'm making this up as i go but that is ultimately that was episode, beautiful uh, it
2: was with one caveat i just want to say you said that they were reading the scarlet letter they are reading much you do about nothing that is what the <laughs> literature of the week is I, I although i was like why are we not doing the scarlet letter but that's i just want to i just want to Low, 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 low. It really does it
3: applies. They already did the Scarlet Letter though. I, I think you had said that earlier and it was still hanging around in my mind. But yeah, yeah, yeah. you're right. I, I, I originally thought the, the Scarlet Letter
0: was the book in this episode. Mm-hmm. That, that was a beautiful summary. Um it puts to shame our summaries <laughs> and it very much puts to shame the Disney Plus summary which is just <laughs> Literature Comes Alive for Corey.
2: That is literally what it says.
1: How do
3: they, <laughs> how, how, how do they spell Plus it? summaries
0: are
1: bad? <laughs>
3: What would you say, TC? No, nothing. No, it's, it was a very dirty joke. And I, <laughs> oh,
2: literature comes alive. I get you. I'm there. I asked how they spelled it. Yeah. Uh,
0: well, how did, I, I want to know because this is such an interesting episode of Boomin's World. How does this episode like strike you guys at first, without even talking about what happens in it?
2: Oh, I think it's timeless. I think it's very interesting because now that I'm looking at what we deal with in the later seasons, this is. So heavy to bring up in such a young cast. It's not just talking about sex and consent, and um, the, the word I'm looking for is um, reputation. But it's really going into the complexity of love in such a like. This movie does a lot in its 22 minutes. At one point in time, I was like, I have seven minutes left to get so much resolved, and it does. It it hits a lot of points in those seven minutes, and I think that this episode is time and notable because of how it's able to approach each one of these very complex issues such as reputation such as what is love and how it's defined and the relationships between love and sex all while being at high school all within 22 minutes
0: yeah yeah i think i think timeless is a great word for it Mm -hmm. yeah it covers a lot um i think it just moves really quickly but it
1: doesn't feel rushed Mm -hmm. it's like yeah it feels like it's painful. Really well, and like it, it tackles some really big subjects in the middle. They always of it. feel we'll still that pretty
3: funny. I always feel that the better Boy Meets World shows are ones that don't have B and C storylines. Like this is an A storyline that they're focusing all their time towards, and it's deserving of that. It's so much story that to be distracted by Eric going on a date with some random girl would only take away from all the important things they're trying to communicate in this episode.
0: Yeah, yeah. um I know we haven't even jumped in, but I've got it written down. Is this the first great episode of Boy Meets World? like
3: that is debatable and <laughs> maybe a possibility i don't know season one doesn't have a lot of like
2: they have like oh this is good for season one yeah. like yeah. that's the <laughs> overall attitude there yeah yeah I, like i sorry yeah. i was just gonna say you're right i can't think of like episodes at this point but season one has moments like the Anne Frank moment I feel is very impactful and does kind of like the same thing but this is an entire episode where we get deep and I think that's the difference
3: and it's also probably if I'm remembering correctly you guys could probably tell us this better um one of the first episodes uh where Topanga and specifically a woman has a main storyline um that's centered around something that's not frivolous right
0: yeah Mm -hmm. yeah Unfortunately, the only other female storyline maybe in the series so far has been Desiree. <laughs> yeah. so
3: Nothing to write home about. No, no, not at all. Desiree. I forgot about Desiree.
0: <laughs> Come on, puddin'. <laughs> <laughs> our, our episode about her released the day we were recording this, it, it, this morning. Oh, nice. so that was a that was a trip well she's uh, in
3: multiple episodes i hope you're ready for that arc
0: oh, oh we was... yeah we finished it but <laughs> oh <thanks laughs> so much it was, it was so much um a, a lot of stuff i did not pick up on as a kid um but yeah so um now we we'll, we'll just go through the episode um this can be as casual or as detailed as we want to be um but i do want to I do want to focus on the title real quick, Wake Up Little Cory, which I'm pretty sure has to be a uh, reference to Wake Up Little Susie, the song um, by the Everly Brothers.
3: Are you guys familiar with this song at all? The Everly Brothers. I know their entire catalog. Where do you want to go? <laughs> no, actually, I've never heard I've never heard of the song
1: before. Oh, thank I'm goodness. Sorry. I'm not alone. Yeah. Earlier Chance was shaming me. Like, how do you not
3: know that song? I thought everyone knew
1: and the song. Like, I don't
2: know. Here's the thing. There's a good chance that I know the song. I just didn't know that that was the name. <laughs> uh,
0: well, yeah it's it, it's actually maybe the first good music reference to a title that they've made because like one of the the bridge of the the song is um uh the movie wasn't that great um the plot didn't hold our attention we fell asleep what I'm reading
3: it? it now it says we've both been sound asleep wake up little Susie and weep the movie's over it's four o'clock and we're in
2: trouble deep wake yep. up little susie wake up little susie
1: Whoa. oh that is so wow. so it's
2: that 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 in itself is a synopsis of the episode yeah wow. the, um, much better than boys to mensa
0: yeah boys to <laughs> which is just very <laughs> arbitrarily named
1: oh man um uh, but stepping yeah stepping up their game
0: so i just wanted to you know we had grandma was a rolling stone we had boys to Menza. we've had some music title M- once in love with amy once in love with amy was also a music title uh an old broadway if you guys didn't know but this one like this one works this is, this is a good title <laughs> nailed it oh man <laughs> so yeah you guys uh if you haven't heard it it's it's a 70s rock like standard i feel like everyone should hear it at least once
3: yeah i mean definitely now that i see the yeah i'll be doing it after this, this for sure yeah
0: <laughs> so a random piece of music trivia i wanted to bring up uh who wants to start summarizing the episode
3: well okay it. i'll I'll, I'll start here that, um, you know, I kind of looked back on the episodes of season two just by title. And one of the things I remember that a central theme was, you know, the boys wanting to find their place in this new, new world of high school, them <laughs> wanting to find where they belong and, you know, creating a name and a reputation for themselves. And, you know, it doesn't strike me at all that, you know, they're at a point where girls are being used to build reputation. It just feels like a natural part of high school. And, you know, them confronting this... Uh, uh, for me, like Siege said, was the most mature storyline I had seen with a cast this young in a long, quite a long time. And it felt uncomfortable watching it now, whereas it didn't before to see them talk about sex. And I don't know why, but like it felt like, I, you guys seem like babies. Why are you guys doing this? And that, well, I, that was kind of my first thing I got.
2: I gonna say, because we've gotten used to them being older in this, on this set. And to see how young they are talking about this. I don't feel that it's too early. If anything, I feel that Feeny's whole assumption. That it's too early to talk to them about this is, in fact, antiquated, as uh, Jonathan points out. But I definitely felt that they they hand they would have handled this situation differently now in season four than they do in season two and for them to go in as deep as they do in season two showed me like i think we talk about it being it's the foundation of where boy meets world can go yeah
3: did you guys all think it was like turner's assignment was a, a good way for the kids to learn this
2: i don't know that the assignment
0: should be quite this early but i think it's a good like this early in their like schooling maybe like freshman in high school will this would be better maybe not I don't know but I definitely think it's a good to open the dialogue up I think is a good assignment overall because
3: yeah. I I kind of did side with Feeney in the sense that I was like oh I don't from a like if you're teaching a social studies class or a history or literature class maybe there isn't an educational merit to this other than to spark a conversation about sex and you know sex education and maybe that's its own thing but if I'm Feeney and I'm like well you're not the sex ed teacher why are you guys doing this how is this related to your grade I can understand where he's
2: maybe coming from there see and I wanted to push back and say that I looked at it from, from Turner's initial assignment and not what it became. Because what Turner initially said was, when we're talking about sex, love, and re- rumors, this is something that these subjects are in fact timeless and they're part of the human story. And the kids were like, that's old fashioned. No one treats anyone this way anymore. And Turner was like, all right, well, let's go out there and see how uh, we still feel about these situations using the medium of film. And it's only through that that this situation arose and they got to see it. But it's not like Turner actually did send them out and say, hey, go ahead and talk about sex exclusively. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. And I think just from like like an educator standpoint, just in general, making real world connections to whatever you're learning about. And like Turner even points out to Feeney, like he wants them to connect the dots. Like that's really good teaching of just like, the students, like giving them the tools and then letting them get there themselves. Like they're going to learn that way rather than just be told. Um, so it's like a lot of talk about education, like banking education versus problem posing education and like trying to do projects and solve real world issues through your learning rather than just being like fed information. Because Turner could just sit there and say, hey, here's what it is, which I feel like is what Feeney does a lot that we've seen so far. Um, but instead, he's like, here's the tools, go kind of explore and figure it out for yourselves which maybe for this particular subject isn't the best. But
2: maybe it is. Maybe it is, I don't know. Um, Well, what I think is interesting is, as you said, Feeney has done this approach before. By having Corey teach the class, it was in fact a way of giving Corey the reins and being like, you will learn better if you have to actually deal with uh, these situations and deal with the silencing of a story that needs to be told, as opposed to me telling you that this story Needs to be told. And I feel like the real issue here is the American um, reluctance to. A- talk about sex in a mature way like even the way we see the adults handle this issue um, some of the most mature conversation comes from Frankie uh, not not Frankie uh, is it? Harley Joey, and Joey, Joey. Yeah, um, like, like the way that they respond and the way that Topanga responds shows that they're way more comfortable talking about sex as sex and not using these analogies the way that the adults try to do mm, it's like and as yeah yeah <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Um, and then the last thing I wanted to bring up is I thought it was very interesting that in the very beginning Turner's talking about all of these things and he's like where else will you see this and Topanga goes Melrose Place and Corey responds with they talk about Heather Locklear like this all the time and she doesn't want to kill herself she's on the cover of Us Weekly or Us Weekly and I was like I was like there's no way you don't know that this doesn't affect her but because she has fame we. Assume that it's Fine. That was one of the lines that when I
3: heard it I was like that would no way make it into a show today. Like Corey being like Ugh, this girl killed herself for something so dumb. Like that would not <laughs> make it onto television
2: now.
0: Yeah is that your uh, your bruh moment for this episode? I believe so. I think, I think it
3: might be. I think it might be yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah and I feel like I think that's part of what makes the
1: episode timeless is kind of the way it's talking about these things. Um, just because it's still like that conversation is still so relevant to Today, just like fame and people talking about you and your reputation, and like the effect that that has on you, of people saying things about you, true or untrue. That, yeah, just Topanga wins.
3: is basically Will Smith in this in this episode. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, well, so it's funny that you say that. But the, if we were gonna, I was thinking about bringing this up. But if we we're gonna talk about real world scenarios and how it applies to today, I think one of the things that this episode does very directly, and it shows how we have done this throughout history, is the fact that we disregard the female narrative for the sake of a joke or a male's reputation or whatever because i don't know if anyone's following what's going on right now with Megan The Stallion but the artist Megan The Stallion was recently shot by her uh, boyfriend and it was it became this huge internet joke and it became this huge thing and she posted that the struggle of black women is so clear that her like everyone cared about will smith and everyone is talking about kanye but her actual physical being was threatened and it was dismissed as a joke and the and the world moved on and i think that that's kind of what this episode is talking about it's when it's a female's reputation on the line it's so quick to be sacrificed yeah Mm
1: -hmm. and then the episode really shows that with topanga of course um, which is kind of her side of everything just not even no one comes up to her and says so did it happen Mm -hmm. it's like all cory and it's like so did it happen cory are you the man um and no one's like topanga is he the man
0: yeah and she's right there (laughs) in that in that hallway scene just like so downtrodden right there and no one's even addressing her like as a person and because of the time it's in i have to wonder how intentional they were drawing um drawing the spotlight to that very idea that you're talking about or how much it was just assumed in culture that the man's it was the man's job to accept or dispel the narrative that they never even thought about it um I, so whether or not it was intentional is something i i question but it's definitely it's definitely in there it's definitely very real to right now and
2: today one thing that i noticed is in that hallway scene when they are leaving and everyone's applauding not everyone's applauding there is a hallway f- filled with mixed-gendered individuals. Only the men are plotting. All of the women are looking at Topanga and Corey and trying to assess the situation. And I thought that was something I completely missed on first watch. But upon re-watching it, I was like, oh, every single woman in that hallway is saying nothing they are analyzing what's going on and Mm -hmm. i think trying to get to a conclusion themselves and i thought that that was very very a small detail uh that was very important and showed the difference between how men responded to this versus how women respond to this
1: yeah yeah so we can't really speak for like authorial intent Mm -hmm. so much but i do think just the way that it's framed of like is all kind of hinging on what Corey has to say and then kind of the resolution where Topanga like getting in his face about it like like this is awful and I'm ruined over it like my reputation and my good name are gone like it is kind of pointing that out. Mm-hmm. Like it's, one it's, thing it's I really do
3: easier. remember one thing I do remember about this episode from the DVD commentary was Danielle Fishel saying how long they took to stage Cory and Topanga laying down so that it was just scandalous enough without being too over the line. And so I think to your, to Siege's point about like having the women not clap and the men clap, I feel like all of these maybe were deliberate decisions based on like her saying like how much time they spent on just that one scene of the reveal of them waking up together.
0: Yeah. Uh, Yeah, that, the way she was laying, I did notice was kind of, crazy with like her torso
3: yeah, mm-hmm. in some weird way. <laughs> so that makes a lot of sense. No way they were comfortable. No one was comfortable. No, no, there's no <laughs> way they slept through the night like that. You're tired enough. I, I guess so. It, it's interesting that Topanga thought to lie to her parents, I thought. I feel like her, Corey lying to his mom makes sense, but I feel like Topanga would be like, hey, Jebediah, me and Corey are working late on the project, and Jebediah would be like, I don't care. Do whatever you want. Live your life. Like, I don't, I didn't see why she would need to lie.
0: Yeah, I, I wrote that down actually. I wrote down in my notes like oh, how quick Topanga is to like go like tell a lie is kind of jarring. That doesn't really mesh with the Topanga we've known mm-hmm. totally through the series. I mean, but- she's
1: like very honest and very sincere um, and like knows what she wants and goes for what she wants. So it's almost like I wouldn't see her having a problem being truthful in that moment. And her pain is
2: she's being truthful. This was kind of like me like justifying that decision, but I was like, Penga being the type A homework individual who is, in fact, naive to any kind of portray- betrayal of from Corey. Uh, I could see her doing it for the sake of homework. You know what I mean? Like, she's kind of narrow-minded in the... Um, goal of, of getting the best grades that she can and it is only when she is reminded of Corey's I guess humanness in this that she's like oh my god I did in fact not think this through.
3: It's I don't know I, when watching it I have to say like Corey obviously learns a huge lesson. The only lesson there is for Topanga to learn is that if she doesn't lie she won't find herself in situations like this which I think is kind of a terrible lesson and obviously, I don't know if that was the intent, but what other lesson does she have to learn through this?
0: Yeah, you would think almost- Don't
3: trust anyone.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even the the best guys are kind of trash. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think you just True. see kind of both
1: their innocence though in that situation that they're both like, we're working on this project. Like the thought doesn't run through either of their minds that it seems like this could be misconstrued. Like that this could be seen as anything other than what it actually is. So like the lying to parents to get the work done, that's all it is is just lying to their parents to get the work done, Mm -hmm. not for anything else. So they they don't even think about it. Mm -hmm. Because even throughout the whole episode, Corey's like, what are your thoughts on you know? You know. He never mentions it. Or are you gonna say Tony?
3: I was just gonna say that he doesn't even seem interested in it. Like Eric is trying to get dates, like Harley is talking about sex in a way that like kind of speaks to his experiences and you know, Corey is more excited just to have a camera that he can play with. Like he is such a kid in this episode that I think, you know, him having that kind of playfulness in the beginning of the episode was purposeful so that we as an audience can kind of see that, wow, these are children who are confronting sex for the first time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, I definitely think that's a hundred percent true. Um, that, you know, throughout this season, he, he's tried to get one date and that date he told like, Hey, I'm not ready for this. Like, let's just be friends and hang out. Um, which is what they end up doing. And yeah, I think, I don't think sex has entered his mind until that moment when he's in Feeney's office. Like, and he's like, Oh, Oh,
1: oh no yeah because even even at the beginning of the episode when Turner's like where do you see this and I think it's like "Marrow's place Sean's like NYPD blue and then Corey's like Barney oh my sister tells me that it's gotten edgier but then in the next scene he's like this is NYPD blue it's almost like he heard Sean mention it so then he goes home and checks out what it is um and it's like him kind of he's just like very innocent and very much a kid very much in his world excited to get a video camera and play around with it but not to actually discuss anything meaningful
3: it's also it's so funny that you bring that up because it also kind of speaks to to Topanga being this very mature woman for her age and Sean kind of knowing the in and outs of the law like like they are watching shows that they personally relate to um with Corey being the most innocent of the three (laughs)
0: watching Barney (laughs) that's a good point that's a good point yeah it's I, I think there are a lot of really intentional uh things in this episode which I think is what makes it great like the fact that the fact that it, Corey is painted as such an innocent and you like see that moment of breaking of Corey's innocence and like he obviously screws up it right afterwards but mm-hmm. like this is all just a new concept for
3: him totally totally. Oh, love it hey I have a question for you guys Um, what did you think about Turner getting called out for saying that sex is like love is the thing <laughs> that makes sex the most important and then Corey's like well have you been in love and he's like no and Corey's like well have you had sex and he's like why you you asking like I just thought that was <laughs> (laughs) a really fun way of of calling him out on like the contradictions and the hypocrisies that happen when adults try to teach kids the sex lesson that they think is more appropriate for them, not what's most honest.
0: Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that there is a dichotomy of um, how people talk about sex as opposed to how they engage in it. Like we have this very idealized version of it in our minds. Um, We all know the anecdote, right, that in Europe, things will get censored for violence and here they'll get uh censored for sex and i definitely think there's that's because we have this like almost puritanical belief in like the purity of sex um i don't know how you guys grew up um we very very much grew up in like bible belt area where Same. like purity was this huge thing mm-hmm. and it was taught like i mean you're, did you guys have you respect be, what
3: did you have respect but I, I was to totally school a <laughs>
0: True love waits was the uh, yeah. True love waits was the big one here. I never one engaged one. in any of this. I was always an outsider to it. But Cameron, was. he always
1: skipped school anyway. He was. A,
0: a <laughs> <I did. laughs> uh, we have a joke in our podcast that he's very much the Corey, uh, mm-hmm. the good, the good student. The uh, he's now married with two kids, and I'm very much the Sean. I skipped a lot of school. I got in a lot of trouble. I have very complicated family relationships. You didn't <laughs> blow up a mailbox, <laughs> but
1: we did talk about how you almost blew up a gas station. Which yeah, is. I almost- oh wow
3: that's so funny see i feel like we're probably more like eric and uh jason probably yeah very much that's
2: <laughs> definitely our dynamic <laughs> um, not quite all there and <laughs> and very much always working to be the center of attention so <laughs> <laughs>
3: which one's which uh, it rotates oh, please I yeah. let me be jason i uh, love jason <laughs> you
2: know how i feel about jason
3: so. uh
0: where we're at jason is uh desiree is manservant whatever yeah that's where we left off that's where we left jason but We assume
3: that's Uh, I think I just have a a, a 90s love for Jason Marsden in general that, like, anything that he's in, I'm instantly all for. I mean, wasn't he the voice of Max Goof? Uh, Yes, he was. In the Goofy movies, he was also Mm -hmm. the voice of uh, Thackeray Binks in Hocus Pocus. I don't know if you guys saw The Weekenders growing up, but that was my 90s Saturday morning. morning The Weekenders is so good. Later days, bro. Later days.
2: <laughs> I say later days and I speak like that one kid, Trish's mom, all the time. I'll be like, is what this I said. Is... Because I love like, she She would say that all the time. <laughs> she would like say something and people would be like, what? Mean erasers. Oh, mini erasers. Okay, I got it. Is what I said. So
3: this is such a deep cut for your audience, but I know
2: exactly
3: what he's talking about.
0: I am not sure what he's talking about. It's ringing some bells, but it's stuff I haven't thought about in a long time. I'm having That's a true. good time either way. Uh, but yeah, we love we love Jason. Uh, we give an MVP at the end and he got our MVP of uh, the episode. One of those. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
2: what i think is interesting is that he goes to say that he um has never been in love turner says that he's never been in love but then later we meet his would-be fiance or the the woman who he was quote-unquote destined to be with so it's very interesting that at least at this point in time Turner does not consider himself ever to have been in love. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it was like an it, after the fact where
1: he like realized <laughs> like he runs off because he's like this life isn't for me and so he kind of realizes maybe it wasn't real mm-hmm. so he would yeah. say something like that or maybe they hadn't written that particular character arc for him. Just so. That's most that. likely
2: <laughs> that but I'm just saying <laughs> yeah. you know if we're, if we're making it all we're work.
1: making it all connect. <laughs> yeah. One of the well, things
2: I thought was very
3: interesting was that I felt like Sean's response when they're interviewing him was very ch- hunter of like if she's paying then love is way cool it sounded like something Chet would say
0: (laughs) it It definitely she's paying of his wake <laughs> yeah
3: that's good thank you i never heard that was a good chat that. yeah never that's, that's a, a great, great chat. Beat. you're gonna be slinky dog in the next <laughs> toy story <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh yeah sean is someone i definitely want to talk about in this episode because i have really conflicting feelings about him i think Ryder strong is great i think he's very funny but this is maybe the first episode ever where i just didn't care for sean every time he was on screen i wanted to be like shut up sean
3: sean is there, there are a few episodes where sean is just like a terrible guy guy, like the way he treats women is just awful. And there's like (laughs) no redemption for him. He, you know, we always say that, you know, the show kind of builds itself around Corey being the central character and Sean and Topanga kind of being the angel and devil on his shoulder, kind of like, you know, leading him towards all these different avenues.
2: And Sean, especially in these seasons is so
3: like horny that he just can't focus on anything.
2: But I will say that we've also talked about what you mentioned earlier, which is the influence of chet and i think meeting chet explains so much about the sean that we are mm-hmm. given and the fact that we know that chet himself has families all across the country he's kind of like this sweet talker it makes sense that sean would mimic these misogynist tones and this the goal is to i think at some point in time uh sean talks about uh the real goal of being in love and falling in love five times a day you know it's like his idea of love is being taken care of
0: yeah that's a good point mm-hmm. i didn't i didn't even think about that especially but. tying in
1: like if she's paying mm-hmm. like, she and likes that's you kind more of-
3: than you like her so she's paying so that's when it's really cool and that's when it kind of goes back to the class issues that they throw in about sean you know his understanding of love comes with financial security whereas that's not something that's of interest to anyone else on the show
0: yeah no one else has to worry about it Mm -hmm. yeah that's a good point Very true i I don't know like one of the one of the most recent episodes we watched was the uninvited um where you know Corey gets invited to the party and sean doesn't um And Sean is so self-aware in that episode. He's so like socially aware, like genuinely he, cool. Yeah. He's, he, he really like the whole episode is about like, like the perception of being cool versus like really being cool. And he like, he embodies cool in that episode. And in this one, he's just, I don't know. He, he grossed me out.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Especially yeah. because
0: he knows Topanga.
3: Dude, that consistently bothers me that it, it takes so long for them to, to kind of develop Sean and Topanga as having a relationship separate from Cory because it's it's uncom- it's weird. It's weird that they never directly talk sometimes. It's weird that Sean is always trying to lure Corey away fr- to other girls, even if he happens to be with Topanga. Like, it's just all weird as like a best friend of a kid who's not acknowledging his girlfriend or his central loving.
1: Mm-hmm. And I mean, even in this season, like this is episode seven, and I think it's the third time Topanga's been in an episode. Like So she's still so in and out. There's like no establishing really anything other than her and Corey. There is no time. So this
3: episode does that, I guess. Yeah. A little bit. This is the beginning of that. I thought it was interesting that Sean at the end, when Corey does the apology for the class, Sean's like, oh, come on. You like her? Because the only reason you would do this, Corey, is if you ultimately just wanted to sleep with her, right? Like that's what he's trying to say. He's like, he can't comprehend that he would just apologize
2: to be a decent person. There had to be more intention there. That's what I was going to say, is that Sean is someone, at least at this point in time in his life, where, as we said, for him, love is security. Love is people buying you things. So anything less than that just is dismissive. A woman can easily be discarded. And the fact that you were like, he knows Topanga, doesn't mean anything to Sean, because she's just a girl. It's like that very immature way of looking at things. Women should be used, and they are here for your pleasure and to help your social status and if they're not doing that then what does it matter as as they said with um, Heather Locklear she'll be fine yeah she
0: yeah. can take it. No, yeah,
2: yeah. But, she can take it. She's a strong woman. She'll be fine.
0: I guess the Sean fanboy in me doesn't want to admit this, but I think you guys are right. <laughs> <laughs> the Sean ble-
2: fanboy in <clears throat> me has to accept
3: tons of family baggage, and the fa- that that's the one thing I think the show does successfully is, like Siege says, you're able to understand Sean when you understand where Sean comes from, and that's why I think most people have this kind of you know puppy dog relationship towards Sean when they think about On Boy Meets World. They care about him because he's needed to be taken care of because he didn't have that at home. And that's the thing he always envies about Corey is this life that he has that's so well established.
2: Mm -hmm. That's a good point. But also like a puppy, which I have and have been uh, raising these past few months, I can say that most people think of puppies as cuteness and and fun, but there's a lot of bad that comes with puppies (laughs) and a lot of immaturity. And I think that that's the the story of Sean is especially at the beginning of this series, he has so much about him that will allow him to grow, but you can't grow if you don't start at the bottom. And yeah, I think okay. that that's what's really special about that character. Totally.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: That's... And he
1: does grow. Like he's the most three-dimensional, fully fleshed out character in the show. Not at this point, oh, yeah. but especially as you get that understanding his relationships and what's
3: got him to this point. Oh yeah. It,
1: it and all, according
3: it to all. him, his mom smoked while pre- pregnant. So it's not yeah. even really his fault. It's <laughs> not his fault at all
0: my mom smoked when
3: pregnant uh um, i have one other thing that kind of really i wanted to talk about in this which was what did you guys think about turner not viewing the tape before showing it to the class in phoenix uh, foolish <laughs> foolish absolutely foolish
0: i would say bold but <laughs> foolish works and this isn't That's the exactly
3: last time that how happen. janitor bud loses his job next season exactly <laughs> <laughs>
1: because um, Eli learned how to teach from Mr. Turner. So <laughs> yes. He doesn't watch the report before it goes out. Guys, we cannot talk. You're doomed to repeat it. <laughs> we cannot
0: talk about Janitor Bud losing his job because I have so many thoughts
2: and that is not going to cover.
1: And we're the part where I- Janitor Bud is just a quirky, little grumpy. <laughs> that Janitor.
2: episode slapped me in the face. So like when you guys talk about that, just be prepared. I, I was not prepared. I remembered, oh, Jen, gets fired i did not remember the details and that was like woo, a lot just
0: happened <laughs> <laughs> maybe we'll have to have you guys on for that episode
2: <laughs> anytime a teacher allows
3: someone to play a tape they have not supervised bring us on that's our special
0: <laughs> <laughs> every time that's good uh that's good um yeah i don't the whole i i didn't remember this about season two but through this point this is our fourth confrontation between Feeney and Turner Uh where they like I hate it yeah where Feeney is very much the bad guy and he comes in and he's almost harassing Turner at this point I mean we were
1: yelling he's yelling at Turner for sure
0: yeah we're we're like four weeks into this school year and like he's telling Turner he's he's been on his back like four times and um it's very much trying to I, I said this last episode and I'll probably keep saying it I think there's a version of this show where Turner is the good guy, new teacher dealing with a like dealing with a couple of kids that are slackers but have good hearts, and, and the curmudgeonly principal, and a curmudgeonly principal that someone you was guys just like.
3: described. Welcome back, Cotter.
0: To yeah, <laughs>
1: maybe they were paying homage. Oh. Well, clearly,
3: with what, Harley, they are. <laughs> oh
0: yeah, what is what is this? I don't even know. It was a show. Well, was John Travolta
3: oh. is this like leather jacket wearing, greasy haired class clown to this ki- guy who comes to his old high school to teach, and he's teaching them in really unconventional ways. And they're a bunch of like outcasts that he takes in. Like it's it's a very it, there's a lot of similarities because of it being a show about education and teaching. Oh, cool. Yeah,
0: I, maybe they are like paying homage to that. But Feeney is definitely set up as Turner's villain which I love Turner a lot, but man, Feeney's bumming me
3: out. (laughs) It makes me upset because everyone, everyone who has a relationship with the show understands that Feeney's at his best when he is teaching unconventionally. And it seems as though they purposely made him a curmudgeon just so him and Turner can have a back and forth at this season that doesn't feel true to his character. I mean, Mm -hmm. one of the things we noticed is that the first season was very much, you know, Feeney versus Allen and their influence on Corey. And now it feels as though the main thing is Feeney versus Turner and their influence. Over the kids, so um, it, it
2: just feels Feeney like it's.
3: Do then, yeah, stop fighting and just start teaching, Feeny.
2: I will say that the idea of Feeny being a old school individual about high schoolers and sex makes sense. Um, I disagree with it because I feel that sex education is important at an early age, but it completely fits that Feeny being who we know would feel that this is too young. But I do also think that it's kind kind of overstepping for Feeney to, in the middle of turner's lesson like throw shade at it and then even come and oversee the production mm-hmm. like this isn't your class like why are you all of a sudden auditing a class <laughs> like it feels that feels more like, like consistently
1: undermines turner, turner. Yeah. yes exactly in
2: front of the students exactly just like
3: not cool not cool feeny his his focus is educating turner not educating the kids he's doing the same thing he does with the kids where he's like i'm not going to shut you down but i'm going to tell you that there's problems with this and I'm li- whatever outcome happened, and I need you to learn from it in your own way even though he is voicing complaints he is also trying to teach mm-hmm. this new teacher that's but true. do it
2: on your own time I think that's what we're saying <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> and what's so funny though in this episode about Feeney's whole view on sex and he's like we don't want them to make those connections here like we want them to be out of our care and graduated before they're doing that but a few episodes ago there were kids straight up making out in the hallway and Mr. <laughs> Feeney like walks by them and he's like oh it's okay they're a students they can like they that. can they can do that I'm yeah fine that's with right. it. he's just like totally cool with it and then now he's like we can't even mention any sort of desire <laughs> that anyone might have because that's not our place in school
0: yeah be consistent mr feeney well and mr feeney's worldview in this is the exact worldview that allows this to happen, the the like making a taboo of sex is the exact thing that allows like sex to begin to shame people uh, or elevate men because let's face it, it, never really elevates women, especially in the '90s. um And that's not that's not okay. Like, if you if you don't let them make these connections, if you don't educate them on it, then all they're gonna know is what Heather Locklear did, what happened on uh, NYPD Blue. Like, that's all they're ever gonna know. So I feel like Feeney's old school mentality is like exact thing that led to this i might be off there but
3: yeah i mean it's really not until you know Corey finally shows the video that feeney gains any confidence in turner um but more so just like wow you got lucky (laughs) like he doesn't even give him the benefit of the doubt that like his exercise actually led to a
2: compelling
3: evolution in sex education Mm -hmm.
2: yeah i also was i mean again we always talk about this you can't really show so much but i wish we had seen like one other Uh, production or like we could have seen Sean's partner and how they dealt with it you know just for comparison because there is a lot of weight put on Corey and Topanga's presentation without showing how it affected everyone else's grade you know it's like were they the only presentation that mattered? Um, or were they the only ones that would have proven his methods correct? and or season, incorrect?
3: season one was a lot better with that. Season one would always start with like Minkus wrapping up his presentation and then Corey and Sean coming up. Mm-hmm. And you're right. There's nothing the to good one. To And then
1: you see their nonsense about baseballs flying yeah. through the air faster.
3: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, that's true. Um, I, I would have loved to have seen Sean's presentation with whoever
3: his female partner was mm-hmm. um, i can't imagine it was oh, good why does john adams why does john adams have all these video cameras
1: yeah, <laughs> this is a very well funded
0: school this is the best funded school ever,
3: okay <laughs> they have they have
0: 15 students per class there's 2,000 students yeah, here we did the math yeah. it was like you had to have
1: 130 ish teachers to be able to teach all the students at the same time um so just the level of funding for this school is like top notch well, i guess it must be yeah
0: i, I guess I'm- the Suburbs do have better schools. What What do you know? <laughs> that's the lesson we
1: can all learn. It's the higher income tax or the higher. Um, that's what I am going to say. Taxes. The taxes, the property
2: taxes, well funded.
0: Yeah, but they just have video cameras for everybody, and the way they're editing that video, like he's just like button, that's button, button, video button button
2: taps a couple keys.
3: He's very he's gifted. Yeah, he's very. I've been gifted. video editing since I was sixteen years old. That's not how that works.
2: <laughs> well, Be right, been, maybe you didn't have the right equipment, TC. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have that 91 Mac to- Macintosh
0: to <laughs> Yeah,
1: especially on. like on a literal tape. He's making those
0: edits. Yeah, he, he's making those edits on a tape. <laughs> on a tape.
3: So he's, wow. he's
0: the chosen one. <laughs> Corey
1: yeah, like, Corey,
3: no, don't go get a job. If you're editing that quickly, <laughs> you don't belong in high school, bro. Go get paid.
0: Well, you see, none of the major networks have that John Adams money to have that great
3: editing. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You gotta do it the hard way. Here's something for you guys to look at. on that I always often bring up in my podcast is that I believe this is probably the first but not the last time you will see Corey with a video camera that he takes extreme interest in. Whether it be Mm -hmm. him filming uh, Sean's new brother stealing something or whether it's him filming like the real world for his college roommates when they move in together. Like, he has a talent with the camera that is never like brought to fruition. I think at one point they were like, he's going to grow up to be a filmmaker. And then they changed it for him to be a teacher because there's way more to support this storytelling and this way of him kind of sharing what he knows about the world versus him going into teaching.
2: Yeah, it's actually funny because later in later seasons, Sean becomes this like freelance artist. Whereas, what they've almost always dropped hints at is that Corey has a way of storytelling and, and sharing his, uh, the lessons he's learned through video. And Sean is a businessman in the making. And that's like the two pathways that they constantly are putting them on. And then once we catch up with them in later seasons, or like even when they pursue different things, it's kind of like they switch pursuits to this one's creative and this one's the businessman.
3: It almost feels like season five, you're less watching Corey and Sean and you're starting to watch Ben and Ryder (laughs) like being precise on the five through the screen because you're right their interests go completely separate from how they set them up
0: mm-hmm. guys is girl meets world actually a show that Corey makes about the family oh. he wishes he had
2: <laughs> oh my god i'm loving it wow <laughs> Oh, man. I would love that like here's the thing first of all that would allow us to change so many retcons <laughs> and that would also explain why so many of his friends are showing up guest starring <laughs> wow
0: it's true you yeah. just you've
2: blown it wide open
0: maybe maybe Corey really did pursue film like the show always said <laughs> and <laughs> the result of that is Girl Meets World <laughs>
3: could be He's and then he changes life. his name to Michael Jacobs oh
1: man <laughs> that's why there's like those Man name
3: it's like callbacks
1: to moments in Boy Meets World that happened in Girl Meets World. He's remembering his own life, mm-hmm. so he makes it happen like the geek party that he gets invited to, that <laughs> Riley then later gets invited to.
0: Yeah, that's what that's why there's so much mirroring. <laughs> anyway, that was a that was a thought I had while you guys love it. About. I'm using <laughs>
3: it. <laughs> we love fan theories. We love trying to make sense of this show that sometimes just does not make sense. Their ages are all over the place. They're skipping years all the time. You have to fill in the gap somehow.
0: You're you're on the right show for that that's our whole thing that's yeah
3: that's our (laughs) shtick
0: uh, I mean, it hasn't been yet because we haven't gotten to any yeah, Nothing's
1: really been too much except Minkus blipping off the map, yep. literally blinking out of existence
0: Oh, on camera. Oh, and they have uh, English four times a day. They, have, they start the day <laughs> in English, they have fourth period English. Immediately after lunch, lunch they, they go to English and they end the day in English. Yep. So <laughs> they go to English four times a day. That's can I love it. We can't get it. Yeah, I love things. it. <laughs> Who needs?
3: Man. Well, I mean, we're we're at the point in season four where we're about to see uh, Turner pull a Minkus and just disappear out of nowhere. So we're <laughs> so, getting so close sad. to that point. <laughs> so
0: sad. Um, but yeah, that's great. Um, real quick, I, I want to make sure we hit on it um, because I have a note that I'm not. Terribly confident on. I want to talk about consent real quick and what it means for Corey to do this to Topanga. Like, it's almost a form of
2: like social rape in a way. Yeah. It's assault. It's absolutely assault. For him to literally, for him to to gain any kind of social standing at the expense of her reputation while literally looking her in the eye while he does it is a whole other level of assault. And it's something that I'm glad you brought it up because it was something that earlier on, you were made some point and it was interesting to me that Topanga would even be friends with Corey after this point. Like, mm-hmm. the idea of someone using you and your reputation and apologizing, that's that's fine. I, I, that's a great thing that he did, but building a bond from that would 100% be tainted. Like, I think it's, it's what the story needs and it's uh, a method of boys will be boys, but I don't see anyone trusting and or being close to someone who do that ever again.
3: This is the first of many examples of Topanga forgiving Corey way too easily. Like, this is, uh, you know, multiple times Corey is as this kid who's just learning a lesson, but you know, to not look at the consequences of what this does. Topanga's reputation isn't going to be fixed overnight simply because Corey said to his classmates what he thought happened. You know? Um and even though I wanted to kind of talk to you guys about the apology, how you felt about it, as sincere as it was, I too felt like her high-fiving him at the end or whatever it was that they connection they made felt weird Mm -hmm. like forgive your rapist
2: (laughs) and it's still very
1: centered on Corey. like he never tries to he never mentions topanga's name or it's like we need to make amends this isn't right he never calls out anything he's just like sorry i i didn't and i led you
2: astray please don't i would apologize to the person that i hurt Mm -hmm. some people think that i did something with one person and i don't think it's fair to that person it's like no you used her name earlier use it now let Mm -hmm. Your yeah. apology be as loud as your uh, mistake was. And yeah, I think. Go ahead. keep going. Oh, no, no. I was just going to say that I think if this was a modern television show, there would be this arc of Corey reaching out to Topanga and her being like, I still need time. I still haven't quite forgiven you. And there would be a need. To build that friendship back to what it will become, instead of just assuming that he apologized once and therefore it's all over.
0: Yeah, and did he like take the videotape around to like every class <laughs> and show it or something? Hey, because... That room was
1: packed. I'm pretty sure all two thousand kids <laughs> at John Adams High were in that classroom.
0: Yeah, <laughs> because like we we all know, as sucky as it is, good news does not
3: spread as fast as like scandalous. News. Yeah, totally. or Conspiracy
1: theories, huh? Or conspiracy I... theories. Conspiracy.
3: I really don't know that consent is the right... I don't know that consent is the right verbiage because I don't know what consent Corey would have needed from Topanga to make the situation better. Like, if he would need to ask her if it was okay to say these things. I think it was more so of respect I, I don't, I don't, I don't know what it was. It, I, if consent doesn't feel like the right word, though, oh,
0: I have a question mark next to it, so I agree with you. I just didn't know what the right yeah. word was. Like I said, the, the word I, I like, Siege said assault. Um, the word that was really coming to mind was like this is kind of like a version of social rape. Like, I mean, he didn't do anything yeah. to it
1: physically,
2: but like so
1: getting what he wants without her permission.
2: Yeah, he took it. Like, it's yes. definitely a form of sexual harassment. Yeah. Uh, at the very least, it is, At the very least, it is um, asserting. Himself at at her expense, and um, it's not anything that would be tolerated now in, in schools. Uh, so blatantly, I think plenty of times this happens in schools on a day to day. But to do so on a scale to where the principal and the teachers and everyone else is aware um, would have to be identified. Parents would have to be called in. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, and we're and we're four guys. Like we also have the limited understanding of being men and not having the understanding of truly what it means for women to not have their voice heard or not have their story told. We can think about it, but we really don't understand all the nuances of it. Um, but I'm, it's cool that we're four men having this conversation in 2020 right now because of a Boy Beats World episode.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I, I absolutely love that. And yeah, I mean, we cannot fathom what a girl, what a woman goes through in this patriarchal hellscape that we've created for them. Um, but we can talk about how to do better, right? Mm-hmm. Totally. <laughs> because totally. of a Boy Meets World episode of all the things uh the on a slightly lighter note is janitor bud the person who spread the rumor? like who
2: he yes. has to be he has to be 100 bud <laughs> is the only person who knew what, what what happened so he had to leave and immediately start telling the kids which mm-hmm. makes him the the ultimate villain of this he really here's is. what i know J- janitor bud don't give a f-
3: and never does this guy clocks out at three so he can go Mm. to the races and bet on the horses Uh this guy has no morals and i mean even when he comes to mr feeney and he's like you won't believe what i found
1: he's like it better not be another squirrel in the boys locker room like he's just got this show me attitude like he's just going to go and like blab do you think he was was going to tell
3: feeney or to tell the first person he saw and Uh do you think feeney was the first person he saw
1: yes yeah
2: definitely that
1: one yeah it just
3: happened to be Feeney for the sake of the or was it
1: could he well that's
2: what's really important because I I love that you said this because why would you any other adult would wake them up and be like hey what's going on here you know like kind of give them some heads up he immediately goes and recruits others to to witness what he saw he Mm -hmm. he he makes the scandal when it could have just been something that he found and they had to deal with themselves like even their parents would never have known
1: but here's the thing whose fault is it really why were these kids at the school unsupervised and then mr feeney comes and he yells at them and he's like this is like the punishment has to fit what you've done i'm gonna have to think about exactly what that has to be because i think in his mind mr feeney knows oh i'm the principal of this school at the end of the day this is my fault that this happened, yeah. Because I'm supposed to be in charge, and I let these kids be in the school unsupervised, and then this happened. So that's why he's like, "Go ahead and
2: get out of here while I think about it." Because he's just like, "Oh man,
1: I allowed this to happen." That's Yeah. Like where problem. was? I didn't think about
0: that.
2: Why was there no security guard doing checks? Like, like, like that's what it's supposed to be. If if I'm not mistaken, I don't know, but I believe there was like once the school shut down, you have a security guard that like roams and makes sure that there's no one like hanging out. You know, like there's no homeless people or anything can just can do you want to hear a fun fact about that?
3: They actually didn't start that until this episode of Boy Meets World, and then all the schools were like, Hey, guys, we gotta do something about it. <laughs> <laughs> And sure, that's why we, 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 should we should have to make sure
1: kids aren't sleeping
3: with each other in our buildings. <laughs> that's how say, influential this episode was, guys. It I was saying
2: legislation otherwise, because the only thing I could think of to your point is budget cuts. Like, Feeney had to find money somewhere. He was like, You know what? I'm gonna get rid of the night, uh, so security guard there's no reason for him this happens and he's like holy crap i gotta figure out a way to cover my own behind and it gets out yeah
3: i spent all the security budget on video equipment we have (laughs) no money (laughs) i was
1: just
0: thinking that it seemed like such a good idea at the time
1: we have
3: security we've, care of us. it's fine
0: we've got to keep our 12 to 15 person classrooms in this
3: 2000 like, person we school. got such a good
0: ratio and
3: really you know what make stuff. fun of the ratio i think they would be able to social distance <laughs>
1: they would they would be able to social distance much yeah. easier time i have like Instead nine kids in the class sometimes one of my uh, fellow fifth grade teachers try to set her desks up in her classroom and if distance as they possibly can takes up the entire room so she can yeah absolutely put like nine or ten desks maybe like where it's not just completely wall-to-wall desks it's impossible wow are you are you sure it's near impossible place? i we don't know yet. Okay. They say they are. We're going to see. I what actually thought about that. No,
2: I was going to say I thought about that. Like, my sister's a teacher, but I just thought of every classroom I've been in, if you do six feet apart with desk alone, and also that has to be, like, a full circle. It's not, like, only one direction. It's a circle of six feet. It's, it can't be done in the average school classroom. Mm-mm. Mm-mm.
1: Unless you go to John
0: time. Uh, yeah. John <laughs> uh, let's let's escape back into the, the much better not warm embrace of 90s sitcom television <laughs> where uh there isn't a a global pandemic that america refuses to take seriously <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, because yeah that the idea of your students in that situation really makes me kind of bummed out uh,
3: anyway. uh 20 describe 2020 in a sentence kind of bummed out <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: please scream in your heart oh man oh uh. I do have to say just one other thing I was thinking. I have it written down. I think Amy and Alan are really great in this episode. Great's a weird word to use. I just think just in there, like, yeah, maybe great. Great's not right. But they're just like... Calling Corey out on this really dumb thing that he's doing as they realize it, and I like, disagree. Be, well, just like, is it going to be easier for
3: you if we stay? He's like, yeah. And then they just like leave. It's like, okay, you're gonna have to deal <laughs> with this. Matter. I I disagree because I feel like it's that thing where because they're on the right morality line, it appears as though they're doing the right thing. When in actuality, no one calls Corey out except for this other twelve-year-old girl who shouldn't have the emotional maturity to even do that. Like shouldn't be her responsibility to do that these parents should have called Corey out and made him or at least insisted that he takes some personal responsibility but it's kind of just left to this whole like you'll figure it out if we just guide you in the right way which sometimes i appreciate but sometimes it really does feel like these kids get away with murder sometimes
2: mm-hmm. alan straight up did not know Corey didn't come home um <laughs> he doesn't talk directly to his son about sex he uses euphemisms um and i think that yeah like voting and i think it's a situation where they're tv parents you know so they are there when they need to be and they disappear when you need the most to actually (laughs) be parenting um but yeah i agree with tc it's It's kind of a shame that the onus of standing up for Topanga is put completely on Topanga at 12 years old. And not once do we even see her parents and how they respond to their daughter, one, not coming home, two, spending the night with a boy, three, having her reputation that the entire school is talking about.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. On a on a continuation of that though, man, to bang on that last scene though, I mean, she kills that scene. She like comes in, she's dressed up, she's got the killer hair, best hair in Hollywood in the '90s for 100%, 100%. sure. And she just like tells it how it is. She's like, I mean, everyone thinks you already took me, so just do it. Like, like really, just calling him out on his crap. Like, she's great in that scene. Mm-hmm.
3: I think she understands that. She knows Corey much better than Corey knows her, and she's able to determine how little he is actually ready to engage in an actual conversation about sex, nonetheless sex itself. Um, It was a smart move to call him out on it.
2: Yeah. Well, not only is she aware of how little he's prepared uh, for it, but I also feel that she was not willing to sacrifice herself uh, at his expense. Topanga was someone who was like, I've earned my name, I will have it back, you know? And I think that that's what that confrontation was about. It was... It was set up like I want my name back, as in giving Corey the chance, but the Strengths that she uh, approached him with made it clear that she would get it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I feel like there's a a much lesser version of that scene where she like comes in in baggy clothes, like not made up, and presents herself in a in a place of weakness, like begging him to make it better.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I feel like a lesser show around that time would have done it that way, but oh, no, right. like I, I mean, Timmy is an icon. Let's just in this.
3: If this yeah. were saved by the bell, Zach would face no repercussions whatsoever. He probably wouldn't <laughs> even apologize. So I mean, the show yeah. does. Mm-hmm. A lot more than a lot of other shows in the early 90s
0: yeah were you gonna say something Cameron um I don't think so okay I just saw you gearing <laughs> up, but then you stopped yeah I think yeah, is there yeah. anything else you guys wanted to
3: I really on? don't have anything else uh talking points uh left um yeah I don't really have anything else really
0: so the next thing we'll do then is rate it uh rate it out of 10 um just give it a, a score out of 10.5 are perfectly fine um Cameron you want to go ahead and, and start us off
1: uh sure um so I I mean I, I really like the episode I think especially talking about it Pump that up I gave it, a, an eight and a half. it an eight and a half. Giving it an eight
3: and a half? I concur with that. I also give it an eight and a half. I feel like this is a super mature subject matter. At least at this point in the Boy Meets World uh, series, I feel like this is one of the better episodes, if not the best episode probably so far. Um, obviously, they still have more they can grow. But I mean, considering that, you know, Corey was a werewolf a few episodes ago, like this is such a more mature storyline. And so like it, it's it's a leap in the right direction and we're still having so many conversations about it in 2020
2: eight and a half seems
3: accurate
0: yeah what do you think Siege
2: then I'm gonna give it a nine and the a, that was only because um, I needed to differentiate myself, but also B, <laughs> um, I, I, when I think about it, I feel like this episode does everything that we want a Boy Meets World episode to do. It uses every single character the amount that you're supposed to use them, um, including the fact that we don't see Morgan. Um, and I feel that it really does raise the bar for children's entertainment. And to have these 12, 13 years year olds talk about love sex and reputation and really dive into the consequences and the intricacies between male and female and how they deal with it in such a short time is just totally award-worthy
0: yeah yeah um I'm, i'm right there with siege uh i think this is the first great episode i'm giving it a nine um i think like i said i think the episode is great it's almost perfect um and then Topanga coming in at the end, like it's really is my favorite part of the episode when she comes in in a place of strength and just mm-hmm. tells Corey what to do.
3: Um, I, I wrote down that this is my favorite version of Topanga. Like this episode, I think in the whole series, like I feel like her at this age where she is just like, I'm young, I'm a little weird, but I know what's going on. I have a voice in the mind of my own and I don't mind not fitting into everything. Um, I really love so much about her character. And I, I kind of feel sad when she loses little elements of that later on in the series. Mm-hmm. Um, but i love her in this in this part of her life
1: Yeah, because even in like the video that they do she's like very confident and knows like what she's talking about whereas cory like up against that is kind of like you know <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, he totally. never says the word sex he always just says you know
0: yeah and he spells <clears throat> it once so. uh-huh. yeah <laughs> um the next thing we do real quick is we're just going to uh, pick an MVP for the episode Who we think the, the best character is It can be comedic It can be because they added the most to the story um, Does anyone have an MVP they want to share?
2: Are we taking Topanga off the table? Because I think we've kind of like gone in About Topanga really understanding her worth um,
3: I mean, is
0: my MVP Like She's <laughs> what I
2: so
3: if, if we're acknowledging that Pinga is ultimately an MVP, I do just, just to throw it in there and love Joey the rat in this episode. I, um, I, Harley. I think Harley. Harley, yeah, they use those two so well. There's so many episodes where those two are just in Frankie are so random, um, <laughs> but they actually do add um, to the story. And again, for these older teenagers to talk about love and sex, in addition to the adults, um, I thought was just really kind of interesting and important that to, to they hear this from their peers as well as the adults that they're learning from
2: and then i'm gonna say that my runner-up would be turner because we have this segment on our podcast called called turned on by turner (laughs) turned
3: on by turner
2: and i just gush about how attractive turner is but it's not just that he's attractive in this episode it's the fact that turner really does step up as a teacher and he stands his ground against feeney And he also really does make an effort, kind of like he did with the comic books, to connect with the students on their level. And even though we called it foolish, which I would agree it is, taking the chance and having confidence in his students says a lot about him as a person as well as a teacher.
0: Oh, I I agree with that. Turner has been in the running for MVP just about every episode Uh of the season. He's (laughs) wonderful. Um, He's definitely, I mean, he's definitely written to be the hero of a story. Uh So, um, yeah so are we all good with Topanga
3: yeah Topanga yeah most valued
0: yeah um I I would be much more inclined to do Joey or Harley if they didn't have the scene where they were kind of pressuring Corey into like so Matthews did you sleep with her are you the man (laughs) like are you the man
1: yes you
3: you? you're right you're right that does take away from the book guys all the men are trash in this episode Topanga's the only (laughs) MVP
1: (laughs) I mean yeah Because there are really not any other women.
0: And then the very last thing we do is just... uh, uh, So in Girl Meets World, everything is titled Girl Meets Something. um, And we like to think about a title, so boy meets what
2: so i wrote down boy meets loss of innocence uh, that was that was mine it was a little heavy but i felt that it was that's kind of like what we are approaching right here so mm-hmm. that's me yeah
3: i mean i know it sounds so to the point but boy meets sex is kind of how i felt like this episode was he was encountering sex for the first time in a real life scenario where it wasn't a tv show it wasn't something that adults were doing it was something that he was like randomly thrown into and had to figure out um and kind of learned the weight that sex has in society and amongst his peers and his friends so i'm going boy meets sex now i have to say if i were scrolling through a streaming network and i saw boy meets sex as an episode you better believe i'm clicking it
2: (laughs) (laughs) oh can i change my real quick because i just thought of one that is a little bit more punny considering the the plot and that would be boy meets rude awakening because Ooh, yeah. it is just that it is a rude awakening to the topic of sex what's going on and then they literally get they literally get really so,
1: so. Yeah. Uh, yeah what did you say cam i took it a little funnier than tony and just said boy meets dot 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 you
0: know <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh, I love it! That's great. Love it, love it.
0: Um, I have two written down. One is boy meets sex, so I was right there with oh. you. And my other one is uh, boy meets the patriarchy? Question mark. He definitely. It, there's definitely an undertone of benefiting from the patriarchy in this episode that I just couldn't get away from. But
3: it definitely uh, wow. made me
2: laugh. So I think.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I think the only problem with that episode is the the episode name is that. T- too many episodes may apply to that concept <laughs> like,
0: which one are we talking about again that's a good point yeah. i really like i really like boy meets rude awakening because uh-uh. like it both fits for when they get woken up and Corey's like oh <gasps> moment oh no in it's great. office
3: it's very well thought out i think <laughs> you win that
0: um yeah so we'll do the official boy meets world fever name of this episode is boy meets rude awakening boy
1: meets rude awakening mm.
0: i win <laughs> one Boy
1: meets World Fever this week. We'll send you a <laughs> copy of the home game. <laughs> the, the
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so that's that's the show. Do you guys have anything like you want to say? Anything you want to plug? Anything you guys or uh,
3: where people can, can find you? you? Yeah. Oh, I
2: thought you were gonna go. Oh,
3: okay. All right. um You uh guys can check out me and Siege on. Our Boy Meets World podcast entitled Bra Meets World, which is streaming everywhere. Um, like I mentioned, we're at the end of season four, and there's a lot of really great episodes that we're going over. Um, you know, we just did Long Walk to Pittsburgh. We just did, you know, um, some really monumental episodes in the series. So if you guys are interested, check us out. You can find us at Bra Meets World on social media pretty much everywhere. Um, See, you got anything? No, honestly,
2: uh, you can find me on Twitter, raving about the show, at um, I am not your Oreo. Um, i talk a lot about that show i talk a lot about other television uh, i'm always fe- answering the boy meets world fever twitter as well i love the uh, kind of pitches that you guys are out so that's where you can find me
1: I'm talking a lot about indian matchmaking
2: right now oh my god i am talking a lot about indian matchmaking right now and i have like, not it it seen it so wow. good it's <laughs> like it's it's the perfect kind of nothingness to watch right now <laughs> And that's what I needed. Like, I needed something to just watch and not care. And even with that, I'm seeing a lot of... We were just talking about the patriarchy. There are lots of things you're like, wait, we're still doing this in 2020? Not for me to judge, but not for me. So, yeah. But kind of for me
0: to judge. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you guys mentioned your Long Walk to Pittsburgh episode. I hear you had some uh, fun guests on for that one.
3: We <laughs> did. We had some amazing guests for that two-parter turned one-part episode um, <laughs> where you guys were gracious enough to join us and give us your thoughts on the classic Long Walk to Pittsburgh part one and two.
2: Um, so I think we'll actually, that should be streaming pretty soon. I was going to say so that's going to be the first. next one that we release. I don't know. When this will be released, but that'll be I the next one. Be be the week after that.
0: Yeah, we record about ten days in advance. This one maybe we're a little, little ahead right now. Yeah, so this will be uh, two weeks from now, I think. Yeah, I
2: was on vacation. All right, so it would have just come out for us, so uh, you guys can go back and, and listen and to where we're at. This
0: this ended up working out very well. <laughs> our, our, our dual collab. Uh-huh. Um, you guys can always uh, email us your MVPs, your uh, episode titles, your ratings mm-hmm. at at BG World Fever on Twitter and uh, bgworldfever at gmail.com. Um, and we got a new theme song. Oh, that yes. should start on this episode, so you want to shout it out because I cannot remember. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, well, one second. Let me grab my phone. Um, we do have a new theme song, and we want to thank the guy who's letting us use it uh where is it i can't it's find it's
3: fun to get a theme song we yeah, i remember when it. we got our theme song and i geeked out over it i it's just <laughs> such a like official feeling like well we really did it
0: we, we've been using um some music from season one um but dizzy parker on youtube uh has a wonderful uh rock version of kind of the theme songs mixed together and we'll be using parts of that for our theme song so check out dizzy parker dizzy parker on youtube and there's links to the song on Spotify, iTunes, and all that from there. So check out Boy Meets World rock cover on youtube and thank you dizzy for letting us use the yeah, theme song
3: we really appreciate it awesome awesome so yeah well, and, uh, well thank you guys again for having us and inviting us on i mean yes. we love this collaboration we would love to come on in a future episode i have you guys back on ours um you know me and siege are such geeks towards this show and i think anytime we meet other people who are geeky towards it there's an immediate kinship that happens so uh we just appreciate you guys for inviting us yeah
0: i mean yeah. i was gonna ask will you guys come back Where did you have enough fun that you'll come back
2: <laughs> absolutely 100 <100%. laughs>
0: yeah. uh, percent. i'm enjoying this friendship that the four of us are building so i definitely want to keep it going mm-hmm. yeah so we'll definitely have you guys on again and we would love to be on again if you like want to have us on again if you don't that's cool too yeah, absolutely <laughs> absolutely yeah. all yeah. right but uh that's all for boy meets world fever so so long world so long world, when this boy
1: meets world.